All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. Today we're talking about emotional health and stability and what a topic that is. Um, we're going to be discuss discussing our emotional health in all aspects and how we can create emotional stability. Uh, today's episode has been sponsored by Phoenix Identity. When you learn to control your emotions, you learn to control your life. Join the Rockstar Method Facebook group today and learn how to control your emotional health and wellness to create emotional stability. Uh, link in the description to go and join that Facebook group. I know that they're going to be doing um, weekly lives to go in and teach you how to use the Rockstar Method. So go and check that out. I'm going to hand it over to our guest speaker today. Reno, would you please introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Reno Purefoy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm an author. The current book that uh, I'm just released is Why You Feel the Way You Do and was a counselor for 20 years and taught at a college for another 20 years. And now I'm retired from that. And I write and I teach and do speaking engagements and programs like this. So it's been a good, good, a lot of fun. That's good. Well, I'm glad you have fun doing it. Let's hope we have another fun episode. So you and I are both passionate about emotional health. And oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, helping people is something I've always been about. And that's part of what I'm hoping this book will do is help people get a better handle on, you know, what their emotions are, wh why we have them and some tools for how to deal with them more effectively. Absolutely. A lot of people don't know how to, to control their emotions. Uh, my husband and I were talking about it the other day, and I, and I mentioned this in yesterday's episode too, is, you know, he's like, why can't we just be what who we are why can't we just feel what we're do what we're feeling and react the way that we react and he's absolutely right but to a certain extent and one of the things that you and i and your new book why we feel the way that we do so why well, do yeah and, and if you just let go then you're a two-year-old right so we have too many of those running around uh yes. yeah you know emotions they're they're messages they're messages about needs and wants and you need to be aware of it but you need to um not act out your emotions you need to act upon them you need to take that information and decide okay what am i going to do with that um do i need to set limits do i need to you know change some life goals uh you know you need to maybe set some limits with the relationships or maybe you need to find some relationships so it's just information and once you start to look at it that way i think they become easier to deal with you're absolutely right. Look at when you're happy, right? If you go and yeah. try something. Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's no, totally fine. I forgot, um, to, I forgot to turn that thing off. <laughs> that's totally okay. Um, when you try something for the first time, let's say you go and you try dancing for the first time. Mm -hmm. And you remember the feeling and the excitement and the exhilaration and, and the happiness that you feel when you start dancing for the first time. Mm -hmm. That's a message, right? That's information. That's knowledge that says, oh, I like that. We need to do that again. Um, same goes for, for negative emotions. When you try something new and you don't like it and you're feeling those negative emotions and feelings, that's another message that say, hey, I don't like that. I don't want to do it again. Maybe, you know, something needs to change. So depending on what it is that you're doing or why the emotions are being triggered in the first place, they are messages. And people don't know that. Well, precisely. And sometimes it's, it takes a while to figure out what that message is. Um, the, the two big negative ones, of course, are anger and fear. And, and well, and sadness would be the other one. Um, and again, I use those in a very broad sense. You know, anger can be just irritation to, to rage and uh, 
fear can be everything from just apprehension to panic and sadness can be everything from just disappointment to deep depression. And essentially uh, with sadness, uh, we're dealing with loss, right? And so once you start to identify, well, where is the loss? Then what do I do with that? And I, I think another thing about emotions is, is everybody has behaviors that they do that are tied to specific emotions. And people are often very out of touch with their uh, emotional network. And so one of the things that I do is I try to get people to identify, what do you do behaviorally? Uh, uh, how do you act differently? For example, when you're really angry, and if you just think about times when you were really angry, there were things that you did, ways that you talked, uh, you know, things that you did. Uh, same thing when you were really anxious about something or when you're really disappointed or sad about something. And so as you start to identify those things, then you can say, okay, gee, I'm doing my anxious behavior. <laughs> so anxiety and fear, or anxiety and anger are both... Uh, threat related. So where's the threat? Uh, with sadness, we're talking about disappointment. So for example, uh, I have a friend moves away that I'm really close to. And, uh, you know, that's, well, I'm going to miss him, but that's okay. And I find myself kind of moping around, spending a lot of time, you know, playing stupid computer games or things like that. Oh, this is my sad behavior. So what's going on? Okay, well, my friend moved away. So what's that all about? Well, okay, that's relationship, right? So I need to find new relationship. Yeah, since he's no longer available and if i don't have i either need to pull on those that i have or if i don't have any that's close i need to find some people i can form a relationship with yeah. and that's kind of how you work with it when you're working in counseling is you just kind of work backwards you know what's the what's the need uh, or the want or the threat that's being um, that's present and then what do we do about it how do we come up with a plan of action yep um, I can, I have my own example of that. Um, mm. I like to tell people I can be vindictive and volatile. Um, and I absolutely, no, 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 not, not you. <laughs> I absolutely can be, but yeah. it's, it's when I'm needed. So yeah. the other day, um, we are lying on the couch where we had a family movie night and we watched the new Mario movies. So we're having a family movie night. And it's all over. The girls are excited. And my husband and I, you know, he's going out for a cigarette and I'm sitting on the couch. And all of a sudden, my daughters are really hyper and they're they're play fighting. And one of them falls on the side of the couch onto me and her head absolutely smashes onto the bone of my onto my shoulder. Um, and I bruised my bone at this point. And when I get hurt. Or if I feel threatened, my instant reaction, because as most of you have heard me say many times before, a reactional is an emotional reaction to a stimulus where a response is, you know, mental. It's it's a logical response to something that you've processed. Um, not, not always. But for me, yeah. the reaction was I got angry and I'm like, yeah. what are you two doing? Why are you doing that? And I And I got angry. So when I get hurt, my go-to reaction is angry and lashing out because I'm hurt. And then, you know, so I've, I've learned over the years how to control that and how not to give into that, that immediate reaction. Well, you know, and, and a lot of our behavior is unconscious. Uh, and you have to practice, like with anger, like when you deal with anger management, the first thing you try to lock into place is walk away strategies. You know, it's training yourself when anger comes up, shut up and just 
take a moment to calm down so you can plug into the rational because that initial response is an unconscious response that's coming from you know childhood experiences and just your wiring that type of stuff so there are things that that people do that are unconscious in fact it's that's what triggers are all about that people experience uh when you go through your day uh you're on automatic pilot most of the time i mean think about just walking your subconscious mind is judging distance it's looking for dangers it's also looking out for things that might be beneficial it's looking for obstacles and all the while you're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner you know or what tv program you're going to watch and that's wonderful that our mind can take care of all that stuff but as we grow up we get a lot of things that are identified as good or bad that maybe not be actually good or bad for us and uh, our response to those are kind of automatic but then again as you start to notice those things and kind of come up with those patterns then you can start to develop like those walk away strategies or other things where you can kick the mental part of your brain the thinking part in and that's the part i think that people don't do a lot of times is they react especially like to triggers uh, from either childhood abuse or uh, uh, adult trauma that they've experienced uh, one of the things that i'll often do is i'll use a little technique called the what's happening what's real where once we identify what some of the things are going on that are triggering you or what are some of the environmental uh, triggers is you start to tell yourself when you're triggered okay what's happening is you know um, the example I use a lot is a lady I worked with who had a person at work who um, would make her very anxious and she didn't understand why and as we thought about it she he resembled an abusive parent and so the the triggering was his voice and his mannerisms and so she whenever she was going to be around him at a meeting or something she'd say well you know i'm going to be around this person reminds me of that parent uh, but he's not he's just a person he's a, he's a nice guy friendly guy uh, this triggering response is just an unconscious automatic behavior pattern and she desensitized to him and that's the other part about a lot of these automatic responses we have is we have to learn to desensitize to them it's just like when you work with a phobia uh, you start and you start with the simple things that are to do and you gradually build something that is more difficult uh, like with water phobia I had a lady I worked with and we just started with you know sitting next to the pool you know and then slowly getting to where she would put her feet into it and eventually get in, into it completely all the while managing her anxiety and the thoughts that would come up because again you go into automatic pilot and the first thing is oh my gosh water I got to get away this is terrible I got to get away and no you gotta slow that down and i'm safe there's you know her brothers used to tease her that there were sharks in the you know, excuse me piranhas in the water that were going to eat her toes right so that was the genesis of this water phobia for her you know family is wonderful that way they mm -hmm. brothers and sisters they, they they provide therapists with all kinds of work uh but or anyway movies there's yeah, mo yeah movies yeah. too Mm -hmm. but but you know you can desensitize to literally anything when you look at what people get desensitized to like in the medical field in warfare just in general life uh, around the world uh, if you go about it correctly you can desensitize to anything and that's basically what you do with triggers and negative emotional responses is once you identify it you identify well where does it get triggered uh what are some of the things that caused it to be triggered in the past uh, and then you give yourself some self-talk some tools to uh, manage your body if it's anxiety you'll do things like breathing tools as well as distraction tools uh, as well as the self-talk tools and then you just start practicing in easy situations until you get comfortable with them then you move on to the next one yeah um 
part of a part of the those tools are what I've combined in the rockstar method that I created. Mm. And in that method, it's recognize how you feel, own how you feel, claim your mm. own power over how you feel. Kneel mm. because that one's important. Um, I'm not going to go into detail what that one is today. <laughs> but, right. Um, and then you know, and then the rest of it. Not like I said, I'm not going to go into it all today, but. It's it's so important to know for anybody listening or catching the replay, you can control your emotions. That instant reaction that you have where that emotion becomes apparent, that's going to happen regardless, right? You're, you're always going to have that instant emotion, but you get to decide whether it controls you or whether you control it. Mm. And that's when you when you learn how to control those emotions and you desensitize mm-hmm. to those triggers, to those events, to those wh- whatever may be going on, you start to take control back. And then you get those opportunities. You get the experiences, the knowledge, the the ability to, excuse me, move into different paths. You, you start to making conscious choices, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, you know, and there is a caveat to this. Uh, old patterns will emerge when you are sick, hungry, tired, or stressed. And that's an important thing because a lot of times people are very out of touch uh, of when they are really stressed out. And the first time they become aware of it is when they're, these old patterns are starting to, to pull on them. Uh, and so coming to terms with that and just understanding that that's just life, you know, occasionally you'll dip into them. And the better you manage stress in your life and are aware of when you're under stress, the more you'll have control over your emotions during those times. And one of the ways you do that, again, is is identify what are your behaviors or your body symptoms that tell you you're getting stressed out. So one of the ones that I often talk about with myself is, well, you have to understand my father was in the Navy, career Navy guy. And so sometimes there's a change in how I use language. And so that's, you know, one of the things I do when I start to get stressed out, I start to spend time with stupid things like computer games and things, you know, and those are just indicators to me that something is chewing on me, something is bothering me, or maybe I've been doing too much. And so then I need to start looking at my stress management strategies and, you know, delay important decisions, you know, because when you're stressed out, everything becomes important, right? Everything your kids have done wrong, got to be corrected right now. You know, uh, whatever your your mate you know, bugs you, suddenly this becomes a big issue. Which, when you're not stressed out, is not a big issue. You know, so understanding that okay, I'm stressed out. Uh, my emotions are going to be a little bit more on edge. Some of those old triggers are going to be firing. So I just need to kind of do take care of business. Let all the other stuff slide. You know, focus my energy. Uh, I, I use the idea that the body is a machine with a limited amount of energy. You know, I'm not Superman. I, I do. Some days my tank is on half full. And so I need to decide what am I going to do? Focus on taking care of those things and let all that other stuff that comes into my mind. Just wait for a day when I'm not so stressed out. Yeah. Simple as it sounds. That's that's something that oftentimes people have a hard time doing. Well, and this has been something I've been passionate about for the last, you know, 10 years is mm. how people need to process those emotions. We came into a period about seven, eight years ago where the positivity movement really became popular. And uh, my opinion on that movement when I got involved in the coaching sphere and with mental health was it, it became 
a toxic positivity where it was like no negativity, no, you know, if somebody's negative, you cut them out right away. Or if you feel negative, just think positive. And it was all of these great techniques that really yeah. were used in a very toxic way. And since then, it really got me thinking. And hence why I started the things that I've started is we'd, we've never been taught how to properly process our emotions, how to process our traumas, how to process and, and go through what we're going through in a healthy way so that we can use what we've experienced, use what we've learned to move forward in a positive way. And that's that's a, a very big key that we're missing in in what we're teaching ourselves, our children, our, our friends and family and, and mm. so on and so forth. But one of the things that I really wanted to mention on this episode is the reason why emotional stability and, and emotional health is so important. We talk about mental health. Our mental health is directly linked to our emotional health, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. If, if your emotional health is out of whack, your mental health, your physical health, your life will become out of whack because your emotional health is so all over the place. And when you're emotionally unstable, and there's nothing wrong with that, <laughs> there are times where I'm emotionally unstable and I'm an expert in it. I'm sure Renault would probably say the same where we do flip back into old patterns. But what ends up happening is when you're emotionally unstable, you make decisions based on those emotions. And that is one of the worst times to make decisions when you're emotionally charged by, you know, when you're, you're charged by those emotions. Right. And oftentimes that's during a time of high stress. Yep. Uh, doom and gloom, right? If you're stressed out about money, yeah. about your relationship, right? Um, so many of you may believe in it and many of you may not. And that's totally okay. You're entitled to your opinions and I and I value and appreciate mm-hmm. them. Um, I'm a psychic intuitive medium. So again, whether you believe it or not, that's uh, completely up to you. But one of the things that, I, that I'm asked when people come to me, if they wanted a reading is, you know, oh, is, is my partner cheating on me? Am I going to get a divorce? So I'm specifically talking about relationships here. One of the things I've made very clear in my own practices, I'm not going to tell you your outcome. If I tell you your outcome, or if I tell you what I'm being shown today, you're going to make decisions based on that. Right? Now, if you come, if somebody comes up to you and says, or, or if you feel as though, let's say your partner's cheating, and you feel like they're cheating, you're going to do things and say things based on that belief. You're going to self-sabotage that entire relationship based on that one thought, based on that one scenario that you've got that you can't get out of your head. And everything that you do from that point on is going to be based on that thought process. They're cheating on me. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm insecure. I'm going to blow it up before it gets a chance to blow up in my face. Right. And it, it becomes this negative, this whole spiral. And this can be your career. It can be your your life in general, your relationships, your finances. When you get stressed out, you make decisions that are going to make it worse. Right. Boy, that's a whole, whole lot in there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I used to tell my clients, I'm, I'm a positive realist. You know, uh, sometimes life sucks, but you got to deal with it, you know. Uh, 
at the same time, the whole idea of what's happening, what's real is recognizing, you know, what is going on, but what's real and what can I do about it? You know, the, and, and one of the things when you talk about emotional stability, positive psychology, that the research has been going on since 2000, has identified three key factors in a person's life. Uh, they call it in terms of satisfaction and happiness, but, it would, but that also promotes emotional stability. And number one is relationship. And I think that's the area that a lot of people, especially younger people nowadays, have a hard time with, um, is how to have uh, healthy relationships. And I think social media has, for many people, been a very negative fa factor with that, uh, because I've got 500 friends on Facebook, but I don't have anybody I can really talk to about what's going on inside of me. You know, and and the need for healthy, positive relationships with other people, and that doesn't mean it's always good. I mean. Human beings are, you know, we're messy little critters sometimes. But being yeah. able, being able to have somebody you can be transparent with and real with, uh, and talk to about the good and the bad times, and they're going to accept you is, is important. And so many people don't have it nowadays. And of course, number two is purpose, having a reason why I'm getting up in the morning. And three kind of touches on some of the stuff you're talking about, which is meaning. You know, how do I put things in a context when I am sick or I lose my job or I'm having money problems or, you know, something else tragic has happened in my life. Uh, and those three areas, when you look around, uh, you know, our country right now, it's, you know, they're, they're in short supply for a lot of people. When you look at people who go through horrible things and they come out relatively intact, you'll find that they had a relationship that uh, helped to pull them through, that they had a context uh, uh, that, that meaning, and, and by that I'm talking about the, the big questions, you know, uh, is there life after death? Is there God? Is this all there is? Am I just a little mechanical being that's going to disappear, you know, when I die? Um, these types of things become really important for people to take a look at. Of course, I, I have some definite thoughts about that. Uh, without trying to get into specific religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs, I think people should look at uh, some of the near-death experience uh, research has gone on because regardless of what you think about it, the evidence has shown that there's something going on there when people have these experiences. There's uh, a, an international organization that's cataloged now thousands of experiences like this. Uh, oftentimes, well, not often, but many times, uh, the things that people experience in the operating room, in the next room next to them or miles away, have gone out and been third party verified that yes, this is this has happened. So something's going on. Where you go with that, I think I'll leave up to individuals, but uh, there is more to this life than just what we see. And uh, once you get a hold of that, then you start to process that and come up with a belief system. It helps you deal, I think, with some of the, the tragedy that's going on in, in the world, as well as oftentimes in one's person's personal life. Yeah. Um, I love all that. Absolutely love all that. And you've hit a lot of my points right on the head. We are individuals, right? Yeah. We all have to have a sense of self, a sense of identity, a sense of who we are and what we believe and, and how we deal and how we process. And it is individualistic, right? I can't tell, I, I, I can because I'm different, but <laughs> most people can't tell you how you feel, can't tell you how you would react to a situation or how you would respond to a situation. Um, I was looking for a paper, so sorry about all my paper shuffling. Mm -hmm. One of the points that I was trying to make prior to this is, you know, you know how they say that hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. is a very true statement. And 
when you are, when you have an assumption about something, um, let's say it's, it's a belief or, or a situation, you have this assumption and that assumption is emotional based, right? It, it's your mindset, your emotions telling you that you believe something a certain way. And when you believe something a certain way, you will create an action on it. And that action, if you're angry, is a negative action. If you're, if you've processed or, you know, creating that action based on an emotion is going to create the outcome that you're trying to not to create. Um, well, I, I, I think we're, we're talking chicken and egg here because, because emotions are a response to uh, how you're interpreting the world and your interpretation is based upon belief systems and there 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 is objective reality you know i know people are f like to say well everything's relative well you know that's not true uh there are objective realities and people a lot of times have things that they believe that when you look at when you test them against reality are not true and sometimes that comes from again experiences when they're young where they've had uh uh, abusive situations or situations where maybe they've gotten a skewed view of the way people are or who they are, how they operate and stuff. And so I think it it is useful to take a look at, you know, what have you believed about the world? You know, is it safe? Is it not safe? Can I succeed? Uh, one of the things I, I did with clients is I would take early recollections. I would do a little genogram of their family of origin. And then I'd take a some early recollections of what their grade school experience was like. And I'd say, I don't need to know what was good or bad, just what was that like for you? Because that's when people get a sense for, do I have power in the world? You know, uh, can I actually accomplish the things I want to accomplish? You know, junior high school would be the next set. And that's where the, you know, the train could go off the rails there very easily too, just because of the peer pressure and all the crazy things that go on at that period of time. And then the third set would be, uh, you know, high school, which is when you're kind of starting to finish that adult stuff, getting ready to launch into the, you know, the, the adult world. And of course, early adulthood still, you're still changing a lot. And from those experiences, I could tell an awful lot about a person and I could just say, you know, I, I would guess that you probably have trouble with whatever. And then they would look at me and say, Joey, you're some kind of an amazing, you know, psychic profit person. No, it's right there on the paper. You know, <laughs> you just have to look. Uh, but we don't do a lot of in introspection nowadays. And I think that's another problem is people used to have a lot of time and we're so busy rushing from one event to another always having some kind of noise going on you know in our in our earbuds or on our radio or whatever TikToks, uh, yeah or or yeah. waiting for that next little you know dopamine push from our you know from our iphone or whatever um people don't take time just to be quiet and to really think about stuff think about what's going on today how do i really feel about that what do i think about that you know how am i going to integrate that into who i am and my worldview so that, that's another thing that i'm a big fan of the, the funny part is it doesn't actually take that long. Once you learn yeah. how to do it, it doesn't take that long. I'm going to tell you, my husband, I'm so proud of him. The other day, my husband has been angry for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And um, I've tried to help him. Of course, we know that it's not easy to help the ones we love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really not. Um, but I taught him my rock star method. Mm -hmm. And I made him do it one day. 
And he was in the midst of something the other day and he was telling me about it and he did the rock star method without like he, he tweaked it to his own, which is the goal, right? We want everybody to tweak our tools to, to make them their own. And he tweaked it to his own. And I'm like, whoa, did you just seriously do that right now? I was so excited, so proud because he was able to move through an emotion logically. And, you know, finding that outcome that worked for him so that it wasn't, you know, he wasn't emotionally reacting or responding to, to the stimulus. He sat down and thought about it. Oh, we were watching a movie Um, when we were watching the Mario movie the other day. Um, There was a lot of just stimulus. And I think he was over, oversensitized to the girls were making noise. Um, We were eating snacks, the movie. My husband's a very much when we're watching a movie, be quiet. I want to pay attention to the movie. No noise. This is like that's, but everything was kind of going on and he was really struggling with that. So he paused the movie, walked away, went and had a cigarette. And while he was having a cigarette, he's like, how do I feel right now? Why do I feel this way? And he, like I said, he used my rock star method and he came back calm and collected and said, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm going to go back. I'm going to enjoy the movie. And then he told me about it. And I was so shocked and amazed and super proud because he made it work. And we've been together 15 years. And that was the first time that I had seen him do something like that. And it was cool. 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 It was such huge, but Again, it once you learn the concept of these things, it, it's actually very simple. And it takes mere minutes yeah. to process through those emotions, right? Um, and, and the key, I think, is learning to... In, in fact, when you look at people who deal with their emotions well, you see that they will pause for a moment and collect themselves before they take action. Mm-hmm. And we're we're in a world right now where... People don't do that. They just, bleh, whatever is going on, you know. And, and and you do find people who process emotions well who've come from families where, you know, they were they just modeled that. They're the adults. That's one of the, one of the thing, key things that I find that is often missing is that ability to just train yourself. And it is a matter of training because, again, two-year-olds don't do this, right? And we have a lot of adults walking around who are just big two-year-olds. And learning that, no, I need to just close my mouth and pause for a moment. If I have to walk away, I walk away and take a moment to see, okay, what's going on? uh, And what do I need to do about this situation? Uh, My whole family, um, all of my four children, my husband included, and everybody else, they know that I'm easily angered. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm absolutely easily angered. I'm very emotional and I'm passionate. And that's natural for a lot of people that is natural. Um, So what I've learned to do over the years is I need to take a step back. And so when I feel like my emotions are starting to get riled, I say, okay, this is not the day, not the time need to back off or I need to walk away for a few minutes so that I can, I can cool down. Um, and I will pre-warn them. You're pushing my buttons and you're pushing me past that point. Once I get past that point, it's no return. Right. Yeah. And I've had people not let me walk away um, and and like taking my power away. Um, and that's by standing yeah. in front of the door and not allowing me to leave the room. Yeah, um, they, they will learn. <laughs> yes. 
So in moments like that, of course, my full, mm. violent, volatile, angry yeah. self comes out and then they regret they regret it because in that moment, mm. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether I love you. I, my goal is to hurt you and get you away from me at that point. Um, and that's and that's, I think, where we've gotten with that anger. Right. And a lot of people not knowing how to process that. I am the definition of that. I spent a good portion of my life giving into that anger and, and the words. And when I feel angry, hurt, or backed into a corner, my go-to is to lash out. And I'm going to hurt you or make you feel worse than I do at that yeah. point. Um, and again, I've learned to control that. Mm. But it's you're right. We We don't take the time to process. We don't take the time to no. think about how we feel, what we want. Um, and again, I'm going to go back to the positivity movement for a moment, that toxic positivity movement, and, and there's, there's pros and cons to everything. Mm. But when you got into the toxic sphere of that movement, it became no negativity whatsoever. There's no processing, there's no going back, there's no identifying what the issue is, or the trigger is, it is just my life is perfect. And for people who do that, um, and I, and I'm sure uh, I'm assuming you will most likely agree with this, if not totally fine, but that's, that's a volcano waiting to happen when you are not processing your negative emotions and your thoughts and your feelings, that is a volcano ready to, to erupt. It's not going anywhere. You might ignore it and push it aside, but it's not actually going to go anywhere. And you eventually will have no choice, but to deal with those emotions. COVID did that. Uh, the pandemic, people who had never engaged with or entertained any negativity had no choice during COVID, but to acknowledge their crappy emotions, pardon my language, but their, their, their emotional health, because it was thrown literally in their face. Yeah, that, that, that's a whole topic in itself. But yeah, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, you know, when I, when I work with people, I'm a positive realist, you know, uh, human beings are human beings and they have a broad spectrum of things that they experience and learning to deal with them. There, there was a really interesting study and it's actually still going on, started in 72 in New Zealand, the, the, the New Zealand study. And they took all the babies born for a year and they just start studying their mental, emotional, sociological, all their characteristics and then when genetics came along they started doing all that studies and so for 50 years they've been studying this group of people and uh one of the interesting things is they found that the babies they could divide them into like uh, the five different groups which maintained throughout the time and one of the chief things they found that helped kids be a success was teaching them how to control themselves mm -hmm. and the under controlled group was the ones that got in the big biggest trouble in terms of drugs and crime and that type of stuff uh, so yeah, th this idea of teaching yourself and by control doesn't mean suppression. Suppression is different from managing your emotions. And I think you were trying to make that point. And, and what you were saying is, is I can be angry, but again, I don't have to act it out. I can, I can train myself to walk away, take some time to process it, see where that's coming from, and then come up with a plan of action that's going to take care of my needs in, in an appropriate way. I, I usually say with the least amount of harm to myself and others. You know, if you if your behavior is doing that, then you're asserting yourself in a way that is appropriate. Yep. And uh, it's, and again, some some people are fortunate. They grow up in families where that's all modeled to them, so that becomes a natural part of who and what they are and how they manage stuff. Uh, a lot of people don't, though. And so then as an adult, you can go back and learn these tools. I think that's the good news. 
is you don't have to stay stuck with where you were, uh, whether it's been 20 or 30 years or more. Uh, you can train yourself to do, to act and think differently. Uh, it takes time. One of the analogies we use a lot is the computer analogy. You know, I'm going to change my program, rewrite it, or delete these files or whatever. And we are not computers. We are organic beings. And memory works like a muscle. You have to train it. And it's, it may be weak at first, but as you train it and work it, then it gets stronger. And it, and it will be functioning most of the time, again, except, as I said a long time ago, when you're sick, hungry, and tired, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> then some of that old stuff will come up, and that's when you just got to take care of business and let everything else go, you know? And perfect spot to um, just about end it. And I'm going to plug our, our sponsor today, the Rockstar Method Facebook group. Go and join that. If you want to learn how to control your emotions and like, like Renault said, do not suppress them. It's not about suppression. It's about control, acknowledgement and control. Um, so go and join the Facebook group. Uh, learn all about the Rockstar Method and and get started on on having healthy emotional stability and control um all right would you is there anything else you'd like to add before we get going well it, it, it the new book is why you feel the way you do so it's always uh i think you'll find a lot of things that i've, I've been talking about today in that book so it gives you some alternate ways of dealing with stuff absolutely all right well you can reach out to renault at his uh, information is linked in this the description of this episode. Sorry, I couldn't talk there for a second. Yeah. Uh, you are very welcome, Quiet Minder. They said thank you both for sharing. You're very welcome. Um, if you want to reach out to either myself or Renault, you can do so. Our links are in the description of this episode. As always, our sponsor today, Phoenix Identity, has the Rockstar Method. Um, go and join. And, and you, you know, even if you learn one thing out of that, go and join and see if you can you know, make it work for you to, to learn how to control your emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Thank you for joining me Renault today. I really appreciate the conversation. Well, thank you. It's, it's, it's been a good conversation. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for watching. If you would like to be a guest speaker, blogger, sponsor, or if you'd like to see a topic featured on the show, please reach out to us at justalivetv.com. Like follow and engage with the show. We are always here to support and love. Um, and are always welcome to support and love as well. So make sure that you reach out, let us know what you think. Um, excuse me. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. You can find me at the links below and I will talk to you all on the next episode. Again, thank you, Renault. And I will talk to all of you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.